0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Julia Badalese. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, the live news show that airs 4 to 5 Tuesday and Thursday on KCSU That is turned into a podcast. And this is what you missed this week. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm Julia Badalese.
0: And I'm Gabe Peterson.
1: And you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. And welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Badalise. I am one of two co-hosts today. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Peterson. How's it going? Good, I'm also in here with Carol Bush, um, who's actually in here for an interview today. Um, Thank you for being here. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, and we're also in here with Katie Otter, um, one of our uh, wonderful reporters here, and uh, brave in color, but she's chilling in the background. <laughs> um, anyway, just a little rundown of what we have going on for today. Um, we are going to be first starting off with that interview with Carol Bush, talking a little bit about the Human Rights Film Festival here Um As well, we are going to come back after a quick break, and then we'll go into local news. Um, We'll be talking a little bit about some of the strikes that we've been seeing here by um, Colorado teachers um, and go into a little bit of discussion about that. Um, And uh, as well, we'll go into sports. And then after that, we have our national news. We'll be talking a little bit about Syria. And we'll have our Rocky Mountain music segment done by our own (laughs) music director, Monty Daniel. And then later in the show, we will be joining, uh, we'll be joined with Dylan Simonson to talk a little bit about our... uh, Our pot talk. Our pot talk, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, we have uh, weather at the end of the show, because no one can just check their phone for the weather anymore.
0: That's what we're here at the Rockman Interview. That's what we do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're going to go right into the interview. Katie, If you want to take it away? So, Carol, what is the ACT Human Rights Film Festival, and can you tell us more about your involvement
3: in it? Sure. The ACT Human Rights Film Festival, and that's ACT, which... You could consider an acronym for Awaken, Connect, Transform, but we just say ACT. <laughs> uh, it is a, wow, It's was a week long, now it's two weekends. It's this incredible multi-day film festival that the Department of Communication Studies, who I work for here at CSU in the College of Liberal Arts, um, we started this festival back in, I think 2016 was the first year. So this is the third annual uh, film festival. And the... Um, Let's see. We have about 13 different films from around the world that we've curated, which means we've taken a look at all of the best human rights focused documentaries that have been produced in the last year or so. And we have a jury that reviews um, upwards of 40 to 50 films and then decides on a final list of films that we um, we bring to CSU. Actually, it's not just CSU. We have, um, we wanted this from the beginning to be a community event. So we start the festival here at the Laurie Student Center Theater, and then we are also located at the Lyric, which is up in North Fort Collins, and also at the Lincoln Center Magnolia Theater. So by having this throughout the community, We're able to extend the message of what we think is so important about the liberal arts um, and human rights um, to the community and not just have it be this insulated CSU experience. We, of course, want to have students involved and even students like yourself are involved, Katie. Um, uh, It's really cool. Katie was behind the scenes shooting some Q&A sessions. Um, Just what was it? Uh, yesterday No.
2: No, it was uh <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Okay. It a um, great time.
3: Yeah, so um if I can throw it right back at you like yeah, how would you just sure. dist- how would you <laughs> in your words describe to uh your fellow students what the festival is? I
2: think um it's a one first off it's like a wonderful opportunity that we as a university and a community have to be able to go see these films that are so important and um, eye-opening and raising issues that you know a lot of people have never heard of Mm -hmm. and from my perspective it was really cool being there I saw two of the films and I think I'm going to go next weekend just to go just to go cool Um, but it was cool to see like the Q&A sessions too like Having the subject of the film be there and mm-hmm. and um, which one were you at? Was it Dead Donkeys? I was or? at Dead Donkeys okay. and then Mama uh, Mama, Mama col- Colonel Colonel. Yeah, I didn't I not want to butcher it. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. So um, you're like QA, What's that? So um, when you know when you go to a f- go to a movie the movie theater, you have see your trailers and then you see the main event and then the credits roll and before the credits are even finished rolling, you're up and you're out of the theater and you're on with your life. The um, at most film festivals you are having an opportunity following the screening of the film to meet the filmmaker, to meet somebody who's a principal subject from the film, potentially somebody who's a producer. Um, So for Dead Donkeys Fear No Hyenas, which came out of Ethiopia, and it was a story about, um, well, it followed an Ethiopian journalist who was doing some investigative research around... Uh, the influence of um, uh, outside corporation coming into the country to basically take over land that belonged to people um, that had been indigenously used by folks farming and added it to their larger corporate farm and basically kicked the people off the land. And so this was funding that the, the government was of Ethiopia through the World Bank was kind of basically passing on to these corporations to allow them to do this. And so we had the journalist here, Argo Ashine, and he'd actually basically became exiled from his country because he was—his his investigations became—he basically was had to worry for his life. He was going to end up in prison if he stayed in the country. So we had this amazing Q&A with him, learning more about the politics of Ethiopia. Um, It's not every day that you're sitting around learning about um, the western part of Ethiopia and farmland that's been taken away from people, but it was just such a moving film. And to be able to have audiences engage in questions following um, the movies is, I think, is one of the most important things of what really can be life changing for folks. Right, definitely. Now,
0: I have a, qu- I have a yeah. quick question. So, when you talk about films, are these, uh, are these like documentaries? Like yeah, how long yeah, are yeah, these? Yeah. Like, are these are these short films? Are they fifteen Great minutes or so? Because obviously, they're not two hour feature uh, like. They're not are two. They? Hour,
3: they're not feature length films. but we did our opening night, freedom for the wolf was at least two hours long okay Mm. um we have most of them hover around 80 to 90 minutes i think the shortest one that we have this year is 72 minutes okay Okay. so they're legitimate they're documentary films all of them we have in the past had a narrative fiction film but the um the documentaries are really i think what people are most drawn to because you're like you're, you're seeing stuff that's actually happening. Um, the other day we were at the Lincoln Center and one of the films that we screened called Crime Plus Punishment was about um, whistleblower cops in the New York PD who were all minority who basically uh, were being retaliated at work in terms of they weren't getting promotions because they just, they didn't want to follow a quota Mm -hmm. system that actually was even illegal. Um, But sort of de facto, um, their superiors were saying you have to you have to yeah. bring in the numbers,
0: and I can't. I can't remember if you said this earlier because you said it goes through a jury, right? I mean, how do you select these oh. certain types of films? Like, do people send these into you, and you kind of like throughout the year kind of pick what's gonna no, be shown? No, we're
3: we're we are tracking all of the festivals mm-hmm. around the world. Really, okay. There are some some prominent ones. So San- Sundance, you probably are yes. most familiar yeah. with. That mm-hmm. happens in January, and we have I think at least three films that. Screened at Sundance in our festival, um, two of on all of them. Uh, here, our festival is the first one to actually um, screen them in Colorado, and in later this week we have on Friday, I think we have a U.S. premiere of a documentary coming out of Brazil. So we're the first, wow, the first country. Or sorry, yeah, the first country outside of Brazil to screen this film. So it's pretty exciting. It's
2: Pretty cool. cool. Um, so have you had
3: a favorite? One a favorite film of the festival so far. Uh, I have favorites for different reasons, but I have to say I'm really smitten with the um, with minding the gap. It kind I've, of I've
2: heard really good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Everybody from Ramp was super pumped about yeah, what, that film. What is what is that about? Uh, okay, so it's basically it's it's about three skateboarders. In Rockford, Illinois, like oh, cool. that's like the first the <laughs> first level. It's about these th- three, three guys; they're friends, and one of them has been filming their skateboarding antics and their life antics since they were, you know, young teenagers. And but it's really more a film about how do you grow up from being a kid into being an adult, yeah. and and it's also a film about how do you find closure when your families are super volatile. All of their dads, in one way or another, they were estranged from their dads or they lived in very abusive situations. And it's just so beautifully made. And it's amazing the skate like the shots of them skateboarding. Like he is filming them skateboarding as he's on his skateboard yeah. so it's it's stunning it's yeah. really I mean really that, stunning. yeah that
0: sounds very interesting I'd, I'd definitely be able to see that what's it called again
3: minding the gap and minding you probably won't get to see that in Colorado again until I don't know sometime next year mm.
0: Mm. oh wow so yeah. yeah so I just have a quick question just because you know these last couple of days the whole Syria chemical attack thing I was reading this story mm-hmm. and saying that there's this Syria um, documentary that's being played how do how do you guys do you guys do like Q and a's? Do you respond to certain social, like issues that go on after these films are made? Like, are you going to like mm-hmm. go into the discussion in Syria for people who attend, or like how are you going to handle that kind of?
3: Yeah, well, we have two different films this year. One, um, one already screened called A Memory in Khaki, and that one was... Re- the
0: beginning before the Civil War, right? It, it was yeah, kind it of was, like serious history leading um, up to it.
3: You know, I actually didn't see that one, so I, I don't want to misrepresent <laughs> Yeah, what I, mean, that, I just read it today. Okay, so I, but then the one that we have on um, Saturday, closing day, 69 minutes of 86 days, it follows the movement of a family from Syria up to Finland, and so when the first year that we had this festival was 2016 and that was kind of when all of this heightened like refugee crisis was really just going off and Mm. we thought Mm. okay by this time next year there are going to be some films out there and so now we're two years later and we're really getting we're still seeing films and so filmmakers are responding to current events for sure and so I mean, it would be silly of us to not be including yeah, a so film in the festival. That, that was
0: kind of my question. Yeah. is like, do you guys want to play more prominent social issue kind of stuff? Or is it more of just kind of mm-hmm. whatever comes into you guys?
3: I think it's column A and column B, okay. because there are some films that are just so outstanding.
0: Like um, Mining the Gap.
3: Like Mining the Gap, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything to do with. But it has to do with basically, I mean, issues of race and class yeah. are represented in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, that, those are evergreen issues. And especially, at, you know, as students, like to be in this position where you're like, yeah, we're kind of in that period between, you know, like we're become we're adults but we're also like we're going to have to be out on our own how right. does this how does this work mm-hmm. um, quasi adulthood yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you know we screened a note's arc which was about it's basically a climate change film and there's this island well there are many islands in the pacific but this one in particular has um its story has risen to prominence because it, the president has just been so outspoken about the fact that this island is basically sinking mm-hmm. yeah. um, because of rising sea waters mm-hmm. and so What's that? Why is that happening? Like, well, okay, because of climate change. But just looking at all the the different layers around that, it is very hard to be a, a U.S. citizen and think like, oh, well, you know, what what can I do? But because um, that's happening out in the Pacific, and we're here. Yeah. I shouldn't say U.S. citizen. I should say we're in landlocked yeah. Colorado. Yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah. we don't have to worry about rising sea levels. Mm-hmm. But actions that we take every day, we have choices about mm-hmm. what we could do: ride your bike to the store, or ride your, drive your car to the store. And yeah, mm-hmm. why, how do emissions matter? Like we got into a conversation about that, mm-hmm. which actually was was really great. So we took this global issue and we brought it down to the local scale which is another one of the things that we really try to do with films as much as we can is like how is this impacting us yeah right. well, well, columns
0: well i think we're running out of time yeah. um if people want to go to these festivals do you guys have a website is there any yeah, way people yeah. can purchase these
3: you can go to act okay and our schedule's there there's just two more days of the fest. Friday and Saturday are the last two days of the festival but we're also screening some films at the Lyric um, tonight tomorrow night and Thursday night cool. so awesome alright check well, it out
1: uh, thank you so much Carol, thank you so on. much for your interest really appreciate it <laughs> great to have you on <laughs> alright well we are gonna go on a quick break here but we'll be coming back with uh, local news as well as sports so stay tuned you are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Badalese, one of two co-hosts. I'm in here with my co-host, Gabe Peterson.
0: How's it going?
1: I'm also in here with my local and national news... Sorry, local and national news <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Um, I am in here with my local and community correspondent, Rachel... Co- Rachel. Oh, boy. Rachel. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been Hi, a wi- Raven. It's been a wild Hi. day. <laughs> it's been a long week. It's, yeah. it's been a wild day, man. Yeah. Um, and we're also in here with our reporter, um, You got it,
0: Katie Otter. Otter.
1: (laughs) I can't do names today. I'm so sorry. Um, Yeah. Well, let's get into our local news. Uh, I'm gonna start it off actually. So uh, yeah, take it away. Some Fort Collins teachers spurred by walkout strikes in Oklahoma and West Virginia, as well as Colorado's own education funding woes, may be catching the wave of activism that has swept through the nation. According to Nick Coltrane of the Colorado Inn, state legislators are trying to fill a $30,000 billion plus hole in the state pension program by making employees contribute an additional 3% of their paychecks to it. Teachers uh, pay Teacher pay in Colorado is close to the same as it was in West Virginia and Oklahoma when those che- when those teachers went on strike in 2016. Colorado's average teacher salary, forty-six thousand dollars, was uh, number forty-six in the nation, according to the National Education Association. That was up from number forty-nine the year before. In 2016, West Virginia was number forty-eight in the nation, and Oklahoma was number forty-nine. The Republican-led Colorado State Senate passed its version of Pira stabilization at the end of um, March. That version would have state employees contribute 3% more of their incomes to the pension. Uh, It's headed for the Democrat-led House, where it will almost surely uh, change before passing. Cool. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of strikes. um, Yeah, I mean— teachers especially with virginia we talked about that in um, oklahoma
0: ago. yeah and not to mention that um article you just talked about with nick coltrane when he wrote for the colorado and he talks about that colorado a couple of years ago was ranked 49th behind west virginia and behind oklahoma yeah and we are constantly in the low <clears throat> i guess it would be high 40s like towards the bottom of, yeah. of states for mm-hmm. education funding and I mean honestly, we can all agree that teachers are some of the, like the lowest paid positions you could ever possibly get um
1: and some of the most important mm-hmm. yeah absolutely
0: absolutely but you do have to take into account that teachers really do work nine months a year so you mm-hmm. kind of have to take that into account but I mean five percent raise, especially for Oklahoma and West Virginia who are in front of us for funding um I think you know unions exist for a reason and teacher unions are probably the biggest in the world mm-hmm. and a five percent increase would be you know great for all teachers in Colorado I think That's something that they can definitely strive for.
4: Yeah, education funding in Colorado gets really tricky because Colorado was one of the first states to pass a um, bill of rights for taxpayers. You'll hear politicians talk about it a million times. It's called TABOR. Um, And basically what it does is the Colorado government isn't allowed to um, add any taxes that aren't approved on a ballot. So education funding in Colorado is extremely low, like you were saying Because, you know, they're not passing tax amendments and, um, you know, there's schools all over Colorado that have four day school weeks. And I think the first uh, Metro Denver school district just moved to a four day week. Um, And I think that's a really tricky thing as we go into, you know, raises for teachers in Colorado is you're kind of running into this much bigger issue that we're seeing with our education funding. Um, and it's actually a big issue that the gubernatorial candidates have been talking about. Mm-hmm. And so it does; it's real not fun that our um, <laughs> teachers are not earning as much as they should be, um, as much as they're you know earning. But we have this really big problem here in Colorado with the way that we fund education, and I think that needs to be, uh, you know, a, a overarching issue here that. Oklahoma and West Virginia didn't necessarily have to tackle. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, I'm going to
1: go- can- can to I'm going to send <laughs> it over to Gabe for uh, the next local story.
0: Thank you, Julia. Prescription drug overdoses are declining in Larimer County, reports Saja Hindi of the Coloradoan. As Coloradoans continue battling a national drug epidemic, Northern Colorado communities are seeing different rates of success in their efforts to curb overdose deaths. In Larimer County, the number of deaths fell from 61 in 2013 to 39 in 2016, reports Hindi. In 2016, 504 drug overdose deaths in Colorado were opioid-related, accounting for 55% of drug deaths in the state. But since 2007, opioid deaths have leveled off or even decreased in Larimer County. Despite the decrease in opioid deaths in Larimer County, various community groups— Health professionals and law enforcement are continuing to work together to find solutions for the national epidemic. So that is not the final story. Sorry, Raven, you have the final story. Take it away.
4: (laughs) I do. The Fort Collins Police Department and Larimer County Sheriff's Office are investigating an officer's use of force, which left a shoplifting suspect injured in late March, reports Casa Niedringhaus of the Coloradoan. An unidentified FCPD officer was responding to a shoplifting incident at the Target store at 105 West Troutman Parkway where an unidentified suspect had been apprehended by the loss prevention team. The suspect was fighting with the employees and verbally and physically resisted arrest for upwards of six minutes before a second officer arrived. Together, the officers used non-lethal force to apprehend her, including a taser and pepper spray, and took her into custody. It is unclear how she sustained injuries during this process. Before being arrested, the suspect did injure a target employee. The suspect was sent to an area hospital and was released into police custody after treatment. She was then booked at Larimer County Jail on suspicion of theft, third-degree assault, resisting arrest, and obstruction of a police officer. Target's lost prevention team recovered more than $400 of merchandise from the suspect. The first officer has been on administrative leave in connection to the injuries sustained by the suspect. He or she was not wearing a body cam, but the second officer was and captured part of the incident. The target security cameras captured the entire incident. Whether the suspect or, or neither the suspect or the uh, suspended officer have been identified, but arrest records from the Larimer County Jail showed that a 29-year-old Nata- Natasha Potnode, Patnode um, was booked the same day after being arrested at the same location for the same charges. The arrest records also name the arresting officer being Justin Birch. However, Fort Collins police have said that Birch is not the officer on suspension. Uh, This investigation comes as the second time FCPD has looked into excessive use of force by an officer in the last year.
0: Thank you, Raven.
1: Yeah, that's going to wrap up local news, but I'm going to send it over to Gabe because we're doing sports
0: now. Sports. (laughs) Let's talk about track and field. Colorado State track and field team continued action at the Colorado invite hosted by the University of Colorado last weekend. The distance crew shined for the Rams as they took top spots at multiple events. As senior Jalen Hunter was at the top, the top collegian in the men's 110 meter hurdles, and set a personal best with his time of 14 seconds, 14.21. Sorry. Hunter's time now sits eighth on CSU's all time list. Quote We had seen some good practices out of Jalen and we were hoping it would be translated into a meet. Distance coach Kareem abdel Wahab said in a statement, he made it happen today and hopefully it'll be the start of many better marks to come. The Rams will continue their outdoor season next with the no Challenge, which they will host co-host with the University of Northern Colorado on April 14th. Talk about baseball a little bit. The Colorado State Club baseball team is getting hot at the right time as the Rams swept Colorado School of Mines in a three-game weekend series to build a nine-game win streak. In, first, in the first game against Mines, the Rams were led by starting pitcher Phelan Castellano. Castellano dominated the eight-inning game with a 14-2 victory. Quote, Ever since Arizona, we, have, we haven't had really nothing to lose, Castellano said. You can sleep on us if you want, but we're still CSU baseball. Sunday's doubleheader took place at North Glen High School in North Glen, Colorado. In the first game, Jared Van Vark started on the mound and continues the Rams pitching success. Van Vark led CSU to an 11-1 victory. CSU will look to continue their winning streak on April 14th with a four-game conference series with the University of Northern Colorado at City Park Field in Fort Collins, Colorado. Awesome. and that is the conclusion of sports
1: cool go i was excited that we uh, apparently just swept the series with mines yep i didn't know that happened and i'm excited <laughs> by that because i know people that go there boom
0: <laughs> boom roasted uh,
1: <laughs> 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 all right well we'll be coming back here in just a second with national news as well as our music segment done by our own monty daniel our music director um yeah stay tuned you are listening to the rocky mountain review only here on 90.5 kcsu fort collins
2: KCSU, Chippers Lanes, and the Mishawaka Amphitheater are presenting Amorphic and Mountainous, part of the Spotlight Artist Series. They're playing Thursday, April 19th, 10 p.m., located at Chippers Lanes on College Avenue. Bowl, play, and eat while listening to live music.
1: Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Badalese. I'm one of two co-hosts. I'm in here with my co-host, Kate Peterson. How's it going? Not bad. I'm also in here with my local and community correspondent, Raven Color. That's me. Rachel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) And uh, our own reporter, Katie Otter. Hello. Hello. I'm getting the names now. I don't know why I wasn't awake at nailed it earlier. that time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, anyways,
5: we're... I, <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry, Julie, I didn't mean to cut you off. We're uh, jumping right into national news. And, uh, Julia, you have that first story, so That's why don't me. you take it away?
1: Um, at least 40 have died in what has been called a chemical gas attack on the rebel, rebel-held city of Douma, reports Larissa Patko of PBS. The attack was generate, has generated scorn from all sides in the conflict, but it is suspected to be conducted by the current Syrian government, who denies the attack, claiming that, quote, the army, which is advancing rapidly and with determination, does not, is, does not need to use any kind of chemical agents. The Russian foreign minister, Sergei L- uh, Lavrov, Um, has stated that there is no evidence of a chemical attack, but France and the U.K. have called the attack a violation of, quote, international humanitarian law, and that the regime, as well as its backer, Russia, are at fault for the deaths. Israel responded by launching missiles against the Syrian regime by striking an airbase control by the Assad regime in central Syria. This marks the 72nd reported gas attack in the Syrian civil war and follows the supposed removal of gas-based weapons from Syria, where 1,000 tons of Syria's chemical weapons were destroyed in 2014 in a joint U.S. and Russian mission. However, an exit memo from John Kerry in 2017 states, Undeclared chemical weapons could very well uh, be in. still be in play in the ongoing conflict. President Donald Trump, in a tweet in response to the attack, stated that uh, the, quote, area of atrocity is in lockdown and encircled by Syrian army, making it completely inaccessible to the outside world. President Putin, Russia, and Iran are uh, responsible for backing animal Assad. And Defense Secretary John Mattis stated nothing is ruled out for the U.S.'s response in the attack.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated on that on uh, Thursday on our show, definitely, because that's a Mm -hmm. big Um, That's a big thing. I mean, I was reading, you know, a couple of sources today saying that in the next 24 to 48 hours, we're going to hear what the United States is going to do because France is calling for us to um, kind of join with them and kind of like kind of figure this out. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like what you just read, the 72nd gas attack on their own people. I mean, they're they're, I mean, and that's
1: something uh, that was written by J.D. Leighton, our uh, national news correspondent, and also the next uh, news director here, one of the next news directors here. He was fired up about it and was sad he couldn't be on the show today because he was— Oh, yeah, no, I, I wish J.D. was here because
0: I'm sure he would have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Because there's always, you know, problems if you do kind of take out a dictator like that. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen it in Libya. It creates a vacuum. Um, but— yeah, I mean, 72 gas attacks since what was it since 2014 or uh, I I don't know the exact number, so I'm not going to say, but um, I mean, there, there, there comes a point where, you know, Russia and Russia can only just just uh, I'm losing my words because I don't really know what to <laughs> say on air, but um, it's a problem and yeah, we'll see sure. in the next 24 to 48 hours how it's handled.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, like we uh, like Gabe said, we'll be coming back here um, on Thursday to talk a little bit more about that. Anyway, I'm going to send it over to Katie for the last um,
2: story. All right. So, uh, books that carry a pro vaccination message have been receiving some backlash on Amazon as anti vaccine advocates have been targeting these books in the review section authors of books such as judah Maccabee goes to the doctor a story for Hanukkah by Anne D. kofsky which carries messages of the importance of vaccinations has received negative reviews by people who oppose vaccines in an effort to bring down the overall rating reports the washington post the top critical review on the book is titled cute book but misleading on vaccines and aliens but it is very <clears throat> possible and i I'm assuming that that is a satirical review. Yes. Mocking... I would would assume. (laughs) (laughs) Mocking real reviews written by anti-vaxxers. The book currently has an 88% 5-star rating but only a 1% 1-star rating on Amazon as of last night. Hmm. Uh, There have been books published in retaliation to books such as Judah Maccabee that are also sold on Amazon such as No Vaccines For Me and Melanie's Marvelous Measles. (laughs) Uh, These books push an anti-vaccination agenda, although it has been widely proven in the 90s that there's no link to vaccinations and autism, according to the Washington Post. Uh, These books currently have a 3.2 and 2.0 star ratings, respectively. Reviews for these books are typically sarcastic in nature and mock the author's anti-vaxxers mentalities.
0: That's, yeah, I mean, that's the so. danger of internet, like buying stuff on <laughs> mm-hmm. the internet is like, who knows if it's real, you know, I've going yeah. like that pizza gate thing. People comment ping pong they would absolutely, they destroyed their Yelp rating for, you know, kind of a false story. And, you know, you never know. And that, I thought that was an interesting story. So I'm glad that we picked to cover it because a lot of people do go there and they just kind of crap on people's books just because <laughs> they don't believe in it and right. which is fine. You Power to you. You can do whatever you want.
1: I just can't imagine having the time or the drive to write a book in in, in retaliation. response to another <laughs> book. Like, I feel like I just, I barely have any time in my normal life, but reading a book, being mad, and then writing a book that would be the opposite of that, that's just crazy to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what times we live in. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Really. Really. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's going to wrap up national and global news. We are going to head into our music segment done by our own um, music director, one of our music directors, uh, Monty Daniel. She did one on uh, the Phoebe Bridgers, uh, who actually came in concert um, just this past weekend. And she did a little album review, a little bit of a concert review. Um, So, yeah, stay tuned. That is coming up right now. Only here on the Rocky Mountain Review. um, Only on (laughs) 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you again to Monty for doing that um, segment for us. She does a wonderful job, and she's only been improving. Um, But uh, we will be coming back here in just a second with um, our weed segment done by our own Dylan Simonson. Um, So, yeah, stay tuned. We'll be talking a little bit of weed shortly. So uh, you are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
5: Driving has a rhythm all its own. But don't wreck it with the text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration.
0: And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, I am one of two hosts here at the show, Gabe Peterson, joined in studio with Julie Badalise, my co-host That's me uh, We have Katie Otter, one of our reporters Hey, hey Raven Culler, our local community correspondent That's me And we are joined in studio with Dylan Simonson to talk a little bit about uh, some, some weed, how are you? Good, how about you? I'm doing good. So there was a, there was a hemp expo this weekend, correct?
5: Yeah, it was uh, April 6th and the 7th in uh, Loveland.
0: Yeah, I mean, you want to fill us in on a little more information?
5: Definitely. So uh, this past weekend was the NOCO Hemp Expo. It's one of the largest hemp expos in the world. It was held in Loveland, Colorado, and it was the fifth edition of the expo. Um, the expo featured over 75 hemp experts and speakers, over 150 hemp-centered companies, and almost 5,000 people were in attendance. Uh, The focus of the Expo was to connect various hemp-based companies together and educate the public on the many different products and uses for the hemp plant. Uh, So hemp is defined as cannabis that contains less than 0.3% THC, according to Colorado.gov. Although hemp has basically no THC, it is rich in other cannabinoids, such as CBD. Uh, Hemp-based CBD can be sold in all 50 states in America, and many of these companies at the Expo ship their products nationwide. So the founder of the NOCO Hemp Expo, Morris Beagle, also owns the Colorado Hemp Company and co-hosts a hemp podcast called Let's Talk Hemp and the 422 with Rick Trojan, who also helped host the event. Uh, These two men are passionate about hemp and educating our nation and its leaders about its uses. Uh, So hemp can replace many industries, which is theorized to be a major reason why it and all forms of cannabis were outlawed in the 1930s. Uh, One of the major ones, lumber, uh, could easily be replaced by the hemp industry as it can create paper and building materials all while growing in a fraction of the time with a fraction of the resources trees take to grow. Uh, These building materials include concrete, plywood-like sheets, cement, biodegradable plastics, caulking, and so much more. Uh, Hemp can also create some of the strongest natural fiber cloths and Uh, They're also naturally antibacterial, meaning they'll smell less than your other clothes after you're in them all day. And contrary to the assumption of a rough, scratchy fiber like you normally see, hemp can be extremely soft and comfortable. Uh, Another benefit of hemp is its nutritional value. Hemp seeds have high levels of natural fatty acids like omega-3 and 6, um, and about 25% of their calories are from protein, which is over 7% higher than chia and flax seeds. And hemp seeds also have a lot more benefits than this and like uh, high levels of vitamin E. Then finally, of course, there's the fact that hemp has CBD in it, which can be extracted and used in tinctures, salves, or even by itself as crystallite, which is one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, Some of the most unique uses of CBD at the expo were uh, CBD beer from High Hops, CBD soda, CBD coffee, CBD honey, and CBD tea. Um, all this and much more at the expo, it was a great event and I'd highly recommend it for those interested next year.
0: So I guess I kind of misspoke when we first started. I said, let's talk about weed. We're not necessarily talking about weed. We're talking exactly. about exactly. It's the
5: <laughs> other spectrum of Exactly. The plant.
0: Um, so you went to this, um, was it like a symposium? Was it people who spoke the whole time? Were there like booths going around and so people selling
5: products? There were two sections of booths and there was a, uh, main stage where there were speakers, you know, all day. Uh, both days, and then there were a couple of workshops where you could like learn how to make things. Like, uh, I was able to learn how to make a hemp salve, um, they were doing like hemp paper making classes, stuff like that. It was cool.
0: So, Morris Beagle threw this on, right? And he's yeah. the Colorado Hemp Company. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of like tell us, are they you, you mentioned a lot of like benefits of? the paper industry and timber and stuff is he trying to create like the first market for more hemp based products like that or what what is what does his company do
5: uh, so from what I understand from the, I actually sat down with Warren Spiegel and talked to him a couple times um, from what I understand the Colorado hemp company is something that's like trying to pass legislation through so these other companies that he's helping out um, at the hemp expo can uh more easily provide and sell their products and um without the you know negative connotations that a lot of people have of marijuana um he's really passionate about paper and clothes specifically um so I believe he dabbles in both of those with that and then um his podcast uh, with Rick trojan delves really far into um all the legal stuff and like the uses it's a nice podcast so
0: if you sat down with morris beagle and did you i mean did you sit down with rick trojan yeah i sat down with so if you sat down with like two of those people what like what other um what other like people attended this event that you talked to like what kind of conversations were being had at this event
5: yeah so there was um there were a couple companies that were like purely construction companies so they were just you know looking for people who were interested in you know building like houses and stuff out of you know hemp uh concrete and stuff like that and then they could also go to a hemp grower or supplier and see what they're doing with their stocks that they're throwing out and maybe see if they can work out a deal where they get their stocks and um, they can provide something like that. So it was a big like connection. Um, I talked to the people at High Hops with their beer. I talked to the coffee people. I talked to the honey people. They were all fantastic. Um, they're just really trying to get their products out there, know, know the uh, beneficial aspects that they have and you know that they're just great products and taste good
0: what uh was this your first hemp expo that you went to
5: yeah it was
0: okay um well because i was going to ask you because um you kind of you mentioned that you know it's theorized that in the night it was banned early 1900s because it would put these places out of business did you see more like a rise of trying to implement hemp in everyday products like while you were there like what because you just mentioned construction Mm -hmm. um what else was there like retail brands or
5: yeah there were definitely retail brands there's um a big they had a bunch of like hemp posters that you could buy there um there was a company that like refurbishes old furniture with hemp stocks and makes it really cool they they actually made like a giant like hemp gate and fence and a hemp burning woman that was really cool <laughs> to see um so yeah there were all those types of things there and then there were like three different booths that sold like hemp dog treats and stuff like that a couple mm-hmm. different hemp teas uh And there was a fashion alley that w- just did uh, clothes on okay. all the way down. So, so it
0: wasn't like, uh, you know, if somebody would be listening to this right now, they're like, oh, it's just a stoner expo. Uh You would say otherwise it was like professional. There was a lot oh, of different yeah, there things is, going on. There was...
5: was a wide range of different faces there. You know, there were people in suits to, you know, people just looking like you and me in T-shirts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To who you would think about yeah. at a hemp expo <laughs> to, you know, old women you know Mm -hmm. just like walking around with their walkers it was a really diverse group
0: um is this the only hemp expo in colorado in northern colorado uh
5: i believe in northern colorado it is um i know that they like doubled in attendance since last year so they probably aren't going to be able to host it in uh the same venue so they might have to like go down to denver or something next year but
0: yeah, I mean, you know, if they do go down to Denver, it's just going to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, cool. Dylan, any final mm-hmm. thoughts on the expo?
5: No, that's about it.
0: Cool. cool. Well, yeah, thank you, Dylan, so much for coming on the show. Uh,
1: yeah, we're uh, going to take a really quick break here. No, we're oh, not done. We're not done. We have weather.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Stay tuned. We'll be coming back here in just a second with uh, everyone's favorite segment, weather. Uh, yeah, you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Um, Only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Badalese. I am one of two co-hosts here on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Peterson.
0: How's it going?
1: Not bad. I'm also here with my local and community correspondent, Raven Color. Hello. And I'm here with our reporter, uh, Katie Otter. Hello. I feel like there should be more words there on the reporter. I think that's why I keep hesitating. Because I'm yeah. like, my reporter, Katie Otter. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the reason why all of you are still tuned in is because we want to hear Gabe Peterson tell us what the weather is going to be like for the next two days.
0: Yes, we do. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention today's weather because it's over. So mm-hmm. you can just kind of check outside. It's probably going to get cold later tonight. But when you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be high 74. But it's going to be cloudy all day. Oh, wow. Look at that. The wind. 25 miles an hour. Why? Northern Colorado baby, you got to love the wind. Yeah, so tomorrow's going to be windy, but it's going to be warm, so you're not going to have to, you know, put on a big jacket, but definitely sweater weather. And then oh. moving on to Thursday thursday <laughs> that there we was go
1: thursday
0: oh that was thursday yeah oh so okay that's thursday but <laughs> wednesday is the same thing because it's a high of 76 thursday is a high of 74 and they're both 25 mile an hour winds both days Ooh, so it's back to back windy days
1: and the humidity is hovering around 25 yeah <laughs> and i is always like kind of really, dry yeah not like it really matters yeah it's not um, like
0: florida 100 percent humidity <laughs> even kansas like even like kansas oklahoma they get pretty humid
1: We don't have any water here.
0: Yes. No. We
1: don't understand that concept. Mm -hmm. Although we have to drink a lot of it, so it's confusing. We have the rivers, (laughs) but that's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the glaciers, I guess, the Mm -hmm. little mountain tops. Cores. Oh my
4: god.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're going to be wrapping up the show here um, thank you so much to our um, some of our reporters we have Bjorn Larson and J.D. Layton who couldn't make it on today um, as well thank you Katie Otter for coming on and conducting an interview last minute yeah uh, anytime. <laughs> uh, and our local and community correspondent Raven Color thank you so much for coming on oh yeah um, thank you again to Carol Bush for coming on as well um, and Monty Daniel and Dylan Simonson we have a lot of people to thank there's a lot of con- a lot of people to do with a lot of things mm-hmm. for the show
2: yep
1: <laughs> (laughs) Thanks again to my co-host, Gabe Peterson, for coming on. And thank you,
0: Julia. So you don't have to thank yourself. I'll thank you.
1: I know. That's what JD had to do last week. Yep. Mm -hmm. You guys have to, like, cut me off. I had to get
0: it in. I had to, like, before (laughs) I had to cut you off.
1: Anyway, um, feel free to tune back in on Thursday. This is the Rocky Mountain Review um, news show. has local, sports, national news, music, weeds, science, all the things. Um, Feel free to tune back in. The Rocky Mountain Review, 4 to 5, every Tuesday, Thursday. Um, Yeah. Stay tuned. You are listening to the... The 90.5 KCSU.